And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Once again, for hitting the download, and welcome to another episode of When Did That Come Out? An ongoing two man journey of covering one year of film and 12 movies that came out for every month of that year. I am Charlie Stabile, joined as always by my partner, William Rankin. William, say hello. How are you? Are you asking me? Or it, well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> of course, I'm asking. I mean, who else oh, am I talking? I mean, oh, I, oh, I thought you were talking to the audience. If I ask them, they're not going to be able to respond to me. I mean, unless it's more they're... of a rhetorical. Okay, it's more well, of a. <laughs> then don't be asking me the damn question. <laughs> well, I, well, since you asked, I'm doing fine. Uh, and how are you today? You, you just asked me that. <laughs> I did. Yes, you did. Well, we're off to a rolling start. <laughs> and speaking of rolling, we're looking at April 1986. It's Critters here on. When did that come out? Now, well, you never saw this as a kid. Uh, why is that? Because we seem to have seen just about every other type of movie that's like this uh, when we were younger. I th- when I watched it for this, um, I remembered I was like, yes, parts of this ring a bell. I don't remember watching this like you know front or beginning to end as a kid. Mm-hmm. Don't know why, man. I, it's just not one of those that really. It, it clearly was not a favorite in whatever neighborhood my parents lived in where they were just passing around VHSs to, uh, you know, record and, you know, keep for themselves. So I, I don't know. I don't know. And, I, and I'm, I'm willing to bet that with some of our criticism, I'm not really not that surprised. <laughs> I'm not either. And I think so it should be mentioned that uh, this was this is the first movie uh, during this show that neither one of us had seen prior to recording this episode. So, you know, this is a first time view for both of us. Uh, I believe I, ha- I had caught it on TV a couple of times, but I never had any interest in continuing to watch it. And a big part of that, from what I remember, is, you know, growing up in the 90s, this movie didn't really seem to have a reputation or at least a reputation that children were aware of, as opposed to something like Gremlins or Ghostbusters, a movie like that, where even in the 90s, kids were talking about those movies. And, you know, and it was like, well, I guess I have to see that. Yeah, I so, think I think the only thing, the only thing of note was always, oh yeah, DiCaprio's in the third one, right? In his film debut. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the first one, and that's the one that you would want to see. And it's just, ah, God, it's a whole thing. I have to get to the third one to to see DiCaprio. No, I'm I'm good. So Critters, April of 1986 was a film that was uh, developed and produced by New Line Cinemas. New Line Cinemas, the House that Freddie built, as uh, they like to be phrased as. Um, so let's, let's let's get into New Line a little bit, because th- this seems to be where the conversation uh, seems to be going back towards in our pre-talks. Um, New Line was a film, distribu- a, a film distribution company that was formed around 1967, 68, by a man named Robert Shea. And from what I've been able to gather, they originally were a film company that produced educational films of type well educational with quotations around it because their first hit of any kind was reefer madness and anyone who's seen that movie knows exactly what i'm talking about they would take these types of films and they would take them to college campuses around the country and 
after that, they started to get more into the distribution side of things where they would just help put the movie out. And it wasn't until the early 80s that they started to make their own movies and try to form their own path. Of course, the new line of today is nowhere near what the new line of the 80s was. But the new line of the 80s is significant because I think everything that they did in the 80s is what led us to Critters. Now, a point I'd like to make is that, uh, and, and, and if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it to our listeners. Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, um, Never Sleep Again, four-hour documentary on the entire series a phenomenal film documentary it's it's inc- it's incredible and that gives you a lot of this this backstory on new line where so they got the rights to do nightmare on elm street it was originally Wes craven's idea and basically what happened was new line wrestled the rights away from him in order to get the movie made and this would explain the decades long fight that existed between Wes craven and robert shea and of course, this was an independent film. It was made for a million and a half, Nightmare on Elm Street, and ended up grossing about $28 million. Now, Nightmare on Elm Street, in and of itself, I'll, I'll say, I don't know how Will feels about it, I love that movie. I really do. But I would never, it's an original concept, but the way it goes about itself, it's a typical slasher movie in the vein of a Halloween or a Friday the 13th, which was the type of movie that was popular at the time. And Nightmare on Elm Street is no sleepaway camp or. You know, what's the other one? April Fool's Day that also came out this year. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in, that's right. In, in 86. But Nightmare carved its own path, did its own thing, and was able to be quite successful in and of itself, which of course led to sequels, which was something that Wes Craven absolutely didn't want. But it didn't matter. He sold the rights to Robert Shea. And, and in 1985, we got Nightmare 2, uh, which was also a hit. And anyone who's seen that movie could tell you just because it's a hit doesn't necessarily mean it's a good movie. Speaking of which, we have Critters, which came out in 1986 on a budget of, was it $2 million? Yeah, $2 mil. Right? $2 mil. $2 million. Domestic gross was around $12 million, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you look at the budget and you and you compare it, that's a pretty big look, hit. I mean, look at, I mean, have, if you look at the New Line releases in 86, I mean... I'm just gonna read them off real quick, and I'll tell you how Go much. They, I'll read. I'll tell you how much they made because it puts this 13 mil or 12, 12 to 13 mil that Critters makes in perspective. The same month, um, uh, New Line released The Ladies Club. Yep, made two hundred thirty nine thousand dollars. That's it. <laughs> so it's really it's just, it's a movie that I think would play substantially well today. It's about like women, you know, who are uh, abused. I think they are raped. They take. They take the power back. They castrate a man. You know, it's 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 oh, a it's, uh, it's a feel good movie. On your grave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. In, in, All Ju- right. in July, they had distribution only, but they had sincerely Charlotte only made six hundred eighty thousand dollars. In September, another distribution distribution only. There's not even any money. There's not even any box office to show for this, at least online. It's called Le Fronte. Uh, <laughs> yep, and then and I'll- then. Probably. I'll be honest. I've never heard of these, man. I've never heard of them. This one you definitely have because you just mentioned it. Sid Nancy came out. Sid Nancy came mm-hmm. out in November. It actually is not a success. It it was a four million dollar budget, made only two point eight. So, and that's and granted that I, I think that's only domestic. So it it probably you know had maybe a little bit more success overseas, but nevertheless, 
just purely domestic, not really a much of a hit. And then finally, Quiet Cool in November, that made only $1.9 million. So you're not like, these are, I mean, for the most part, with the exception of one, these are 100% forgettable movies. Like, 100%. Like, there's no way people are picking these up, you know, and toss them around. You know, when they're talking about movies they've seen recently. It's not happening. Sid and Nancy is the only one. And here's a spoiler alert. It's not going to be on this podcast uh, at all. I guarantee you Charlie's not going to pick it for us to watch. And I'd go even a step <laughs> further and say it is, it is a, it is a, it's awfully overrated. Terribly overrated. Like, I get it. Gary Oldman is awesome as Sid. But if you ever watch, like, just the performance of Nancy, it is cringeworthy. Like, it is guy, really? it is gouge your eyes out bad like it it and i mean i get and i I know people who probably like you know worship the sex pistols and you know love to look up the lore of of the band and don't get me wrong like part of it's intriguing to me but not enough to really dig this deep into it but they talk about oh nancy hits it dead on i'm sorry like the movie itself is overrated it's it's okay but again in just this overall arc that you're talking about with new line like they, they have a lot of movies that have kind of this weird reputation of being great when they're really not no no, no, that's true, and I'm glad you brought those uh, those, those movies up. And for, and for the record, um, just by you telling me that it's an extremely overrated movie, and I've heard nothing but good things about it, that actually does make me want to see it. So, <laughs> I mean, Gary Oldman. I mean, it, he is exactly what you would want him to be in it. He is something where he completely crawls into a character and disappears. You know, right? If his name was Daniel Day Lewis, they'd give him an Oscar. Right, and G- Gary Oldman, who I who I love, um, I think there's a real fine line between a fantastic performance by him and a not so good performance. Uh, so I, I can't speak of Sid and Nancy, but the one that always baffles me that people bring up about him is The Fifth Element. Yeah, yeah, and and, and how wonderful he is in that movie, and I'm just like, eh, no, <laughs> no, no, not even a, not even a little bit. But uh, he's outshone by. Uh, Chris Tucker in that movie in terms of a of a awful performance so it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because I love Gary Oldman but uh, no I've never gotten around to seeing that but in you bringing up those movies and those budget numbers with those box office numbers it's not hard to see why they would rely on proven hits now like Nightmare on Elm Street now in in regards to Critters this there isn't any kind of uh franchise that this comes from like that like this is an original property in name only uh so critters came out uh two years after gremlins and the simil the similarities are quite striking at times um it's it's basically it's basically a low rent version of that and and these these types of movies, like, because it, it just can't be limited to gremlins it, i mean it's, it can also be applied to starman a, a with bits of the thing and maybe, and even ET hell ET makes a cameo in the damn movie. And, and you know, the same mom, you got D Wallace playing the mother again, which was actually the big selling point for me picking this movie because of how much I, I really like her performances. The Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters bit too, is just such a weird, like they, they try to rope that in there and I'm like, why, why would you rope? Kind Ghost- of. I, I don't understand why that was so necessary to reference when it's like, I'm sorry, this movie's not even in the same like universe as Ghostbusters in many ways. Lisa, which is the fact that it's not even close to being as good as Ghostbusters ever could be. Mm-mm. No. Uh, this this movie, uh, it's interesting because New Line, they they had a hit with this. They had a pretty decent sized hit uh, in terms of 
of the budget versus the gross. And if you compare the numbers with the other movies that came out that year that did not do well, that didn't do hardly anything, and in fact lost the money, Critters and the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were act like that actually kept them afloat. Like that's what that that's the kind of thing that gets them to make other movies. Like, and this is a typical thing with most studios is, you know, they'll put out like one or two huge franchise movies nowadays that'll really you know get the numbers flowing uh, in their bank accounts, and then they'll go off and do these smaller type films, these Oscar esque films that'll get them better recognition and, and help build their reputation. So with that being said, with our not disdain for new line, but I mean, let's be honest, they weren't trailblazers. They were more, they, I mean, they, they what was that great line? Kevin Smith had that one time when we went and saw him live. He's, he said, when oh, he was okay. making um, the one about the hockey. Puck yeah. With yeah. Gretzky. So he was saying, you know, that? yeah, yeah. He says, you don't want to follow the, you don't follow the puck. You go where the puck is going. Boom. That's how he described Zach and Miri. That's right. That's kind of what what uh, New Line is doing here. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with making a profit. I want to point that out right now. We are two film lovers who have no problem with mainstream movies whatsoever. We get it. At the end of the day, this is a business, and you need to have hits to make money so that you can keep making more films. It's perfectly respectable. I get it. Problem is, this isn't a very good movie. Not it's it's not bad. It's it's just it doesn't really do anything special. So let's 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 get into it. Let's get into some of the things that we the, that bother us with this thing. Because uh, I was actually quite surprised. Uh, you saw the movie before I did about a day before. You told me you just really didn't care for it, and I was kind of surprised. I thought this would be a nice little cult gem for us to look at, and as it turns out, I kind of had the same response. Because I was honestly looking forward to really loving this movie and having a nice little debate with you as to why I thought it worked and why you didn't. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're yeah. almost on the same page here. So, well, you lead us off here, man. Well, uh, I think the first thing that you and I talked about, like with a movie like this, like it's again, it's not, it's it's not a bad thing to say Critters is unoriginal. It's okay. Like there 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 are many movies that you know follow this formula. And they actually work. Like, they, they do a good job of developing and playing with the elements of this type of horror movie. But the biggest element of a movie like this is, okay, if you're taking something that's otherworldly, the horror of the movie, which is the, the Krites or Critters, whatever you want to call them, they're coming to a Midwestern town near you. And the thing is, like, this town, like, like any other place where the horror is introduced, needs to be interesting. They're ne- like, we need to give give a crap about like these people surviving or there needs to be something interesting about this town that is going to hold our attention because if it's a if it's decent storytelling which in this regard critters is is fine they don't introduce the horror right away it gives us some time to get used to where our surroundings are going to be which in this case is this town but the problem is every element of this town is uninteresting from the family that we get attached to to when you spread out a little bit further the sheriff the people that like the sheriff's deputies to the people of the bowling alley like there's no there's nothing interesting at all that really makes me or you or the audience really i think care that oh my gosh their lives are in danger here so I think like that's the that's the first major criticism criticism here is the world is just not interesting here. Now I don't know. Do you want to get specific into some of the characters with that? Sure. 
Yeah, no, sure. Yeah. Um, cause I, I agree. Uh, and this, not that this movie isn't structured properly. So this movie is an 85 minute movie. So that tells me that we're going to get about 15 to 20 minutes of introductory, uh, scenes of characters. Now in an, in a movie that's like a hundred minutes, 105, 20 minutes is a good chunk of time. Uh, this movie actually takes about 20 to 25 minutes in an 85 minute movie to introduce us to these characters and it doesn't do a good job. And I found that to be extremely disappointing while I was watching the movie. Uh, like, not that there aren't, not that all the characters are bad. I, I actually found myself to be really fond of the, the kid, the little boy. Um, I forget the character's name. It doesn't really matter. His character I thought was interesting simply because he always just seemed to get the short end of the stick. Uh, the, the, the movie has a way of trying to establish archetypes, the, the ones that we're used to. I always think back to Gremlins or Tremors as a, a way to, to, to do this, where you've got the wacky guy in town that nobody ever believes, but you probably should believe him this time. You've got the sheriff who's seen better days, and he's just here for a paycheck, and he doesn't really want to do anything. You've got the family in peril. You've, you've got a, a, the boyfriend character, Billy Zane, who we can talk about him. Well, let's just talk about him right now. I loved Billy Zane's character, too, simply because he wasn't a cliche. Usually when you have the boyfriend character in a movie like this, all he wants to do is get in the girl's pants. That's all he wants to do. But he's very apprehensive and very nervous. And this is Billy Zane. I mean, he's one of the best-looking guys that's ever lived. And he's trying to respect the family. So when he gets wiped out about 20 minutes after all this happens, you know, it was a little disappointing. I was like, that, I was like that's interesting. Like, why, why wouldn't you want to continue with that, go with that? Like, he, he could have been the hero of the movie uh, with, with, you know, earning his place with that family. So, and, and on top of that, you got the bounty hunter characters. Um, now, they're pretty, they're okay. They are pretty not in, bad. Yeah, at least one of not them. Not bad. One of them well, is fairly right. interesting. Yeah, the bounty hunter characters. So, so they're these uh, faceless characters who are chase the krites, the critters across the galaxy to planet Earth, and they're like I said, they're faceless, and they can get any face that they want, except for the other guy. Apparently, apparently he can't get one that matches up until he gets the first one. Then every face matches because he keeps changing it throughout the rest of the film. But you get Terrence Mann. Uh, leading this thing, who, as it turns out, is in all four of these movies. So, more power to him, man. Get your paycheck. Um, the problem with these characters is that the bounty hunter characters, especially, are absolutely uninteresting, simply because they don't have much to say, and when they do something in the movie, once they land on Earth and get into that small town, they do things that are damaging to the town in a very threatening way. It's not like accidental damage, like the Ghostbusters ruining the Sedgwick Hotel or something. It's like on purpose. They're like terrorizing people. And that, I found myself rooting for the critters Like when I saw that. I was, I was like, at least the critters like have a sense of humor. So we have to deal with that. Um, so there's the stakes in this movie, or the lack thereof you want to delve into this a little bit with comparison yeah, I, purposes? Yeah. Yeah, so when it comes to a, a horror picture, is like the, the stakes have to be pretty ultimate. You know what I mean? Like, I, And I think the best comparison that I like to do with an otherworldly, when it's special, when it's otherworldly horror, like something from another planet, universe has come to our planet, is The Thing. John Carpenter's sure. The Thing is, is fantastic 
at showing us with one scene like what are our stakes in this movie because yeah we've got this we've got this literally thing that is that's here it's it can appear as anybody and you know it, it seems like it could wipe out everybody here okay so that's that's about our same level of stakes and critters like you know we have these things that are coming to the planet they could wipe out everybody in town okay those are base level stakes the great thing about the thing is with one scene with Wilford Brimley's like Steve Jobs Apple II computer that's like way ahead of its time. His little right. I, his little iMac. He's able to see like whatever with whatever program he's got that if this alien thing gets outside of where they're at in Antarctica, it could systematically wipe out the human race and encapsulate it within. I think it said like a period. Is it two of, months? Something like that. Like it's a it's a relatively short period of time when you consider like you know the size of the Earth and everything. So it's like oh my God! Like this, you're immediately put into a place where you're feeling for these guys because they have to get this thing contained now. You can't necessarily escape it because escaping it's only gonna just kind of prolong this for a short period of time before everything is taken over anyway. So that's that's interesting. Then that puts a love that again raises the stakes. It raises the stakes for what our characters need to do. Unfortunately, in Critters, you don't get that here. You you don't get it. Look at Gremlins. Like if we're talking about Gremlins, since this movie's, I mean, I'm not gonna say it rips it off, but you know, obviously they're gonna be compared to Gremlins for pretty much for its entire existence. It will be compared to that. If you look at Gremlins, like okay, so you have these, you have cute little fuzzy Gizmo, but guess what happens? Like. If you get a if you get a gremlin wet, if you feed it after midnight, it procreates in a hurry, and before long, like you know, you've you've got just this explosion of population, and so right. you're it, it's so now like because oh we well how are we going to battle this thing? Well, you can't get it wet, and you have to be careful what it consumes because if it consumes after a certain period of time, it's going to just create more of them. Again, like stakes, the stakes are raised, and it creates a, another element of danger. Whereas in Critters, the only only thing we ever get beyond them just you know just being rather annoying to people and biting them and shooting them with poison darts that have a little bit of effect, but if you pull it out, there's it's all over with. The only other thing is like, oh god, look at one of them. It's eating a lot of food and it's getting bigger in a hurry, but it doesn't do but anything. Why exactly? Why like they? Do, the end of the movie is when they actually show they they, they is the they show their stakes way too late with the eggs. The, I agree. The, it's like if it, they and God's. What's funny is like Godzilla does the exact same thing in 1998. It's the same exact right. thing where it's like, oh, guess what? It laid eggs and there are more of them. Blah blah blah. You know, and that's kind of the. And who would have thought critters would have gotten the sequel? Right. You <laughs> Not know, Godzilla. Man? Exactly. And and. <laughs> that's 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 just the thing about it. It's like it just it feels like just beyond just the basics of we have a family that we're supposed to root for because they're the ones we're following. Like we don't want them to die, I guess. We don't want uh, M. Emmett Walsh to to die, I guess. But that's really about it. Like there's there's nothing beyond that. Like oh no, god, that's a good move. That's that's a great point. Yeah. Um, we don't want them to die simply because you're telling me I don't want them to die. Not because I have any kind of emotional investment in their characters. Um, and this, this brings up the weird dichotomy between the movies. Um, uh, we, we talked to earlier before we got on the phone. There's, in these types of movies, there's always usually a central hub. A central hub where everyone goes to and we get to know these people. Uh, with Tremors, it's Walter Chang's market. With Gremlins, it's basically the town square. Uh, even though that's a large bit of real estate, that's where 
a lot of the action ends up taking place, and that's where we first meet a few of these characters. And in this movie, it doesn't really seem to know what it is. Uh, I thought it was the bowling alley at first, but it's only in the movie for about five minutes. And then that's when I realized that the family part of the story is almost a completely separate movie. They never really get away from the house. And they're stuck in their own little world, on their own little set, while everyone else in the town is basically at this bowling alley. <laughs> and and this is where I came up with my issue of, this is why I don't really like the fact that everyone seems to know each other's names in the movie, because the characters don't seem nearly as connected, to me at least, as they do in these other movies. And the stakes issue, this is this is a whole other thing. Um the movies you brought up, I'll throw in uh, tremors with this. So the, the graboids can eat you in one fell swoop. Then come out of the ground and grab you. And that's one thing. But the real issue, the real problem is two things. One, they don't know how many of them there are when it starts. And two, they get you be, by doing a very simple human activity, which you don't even think about, which is just walking. And everyone has to walk. So that creates an instant problem right there. Now, critters, they show one of the Krites attacking the father, who I think is the worst character in the movie. They, they, the, the Krites attack him at least two or three times throughout the movie, bite him, do all kinds of shit to him, shoot the darts at him. They don't kill him. It doesn't kill him. They actually don't cause any real damage until the end of the movie when they get in the spaceship and detonate the house, which makes me wonder, why didn't you just do that in the first place? <laughs> just, just, just kind of, just kind of strange. Um, other, other than that, it's, I don't know, like they, they, they try to come up with this weird ending where the boy, the, the little boy, actually grows a fondness for the bounty hunters. And none of this feels earned at all. And by earned, of course, I mean this moment of sweetness, like of genuine human emotion, it doesn't ring true. It doesn't feel like everything that I've seen prior has led me to this moment especially when you consider the fact that the characters have only known each other for about 10 or 15 minutes. You know, like, there are better movies that can pull us off. Hell, New, <laughs> New Line would go on to do Suburban Commando. I actually love the Hulk Hogan, Christopher Lloyd goodbye at the end. I feel like I feel like that scene is earned. And I know it's weird giving praise to that movie, but that's a great little scene. This movie forces it on its audience, and it just feels fake. It feels hollow. Uh, other than that, um, so let's talk about one of the first texts that you sent me about this movie. Um, did you actually read on the internet that this movie was supposed to be bad? I don't like, no, I don't think I read it was supposed to be bad. Like I, I don't, I don't think so. Cause then it's like, well, it was, was gremlin supposed to be bad because like, you know that, but, but no gremlins is, is awesome. Like gremlins is a fantastic little movie. This like is, I'm, I'm sorry, like, if, if I don't get it, then I'm sorry. I know some people out there are like, well, you just don't get it since you guys don't like it. And it's like, I'm sorry, like, there are some movies that are just bad, okay? I don't care if they, I don't care if they have a, a poster that looks all cool and hand-drawn and whatever. Like, it is a good poster. Poster's probably more memorable than the movie. But mm -hmm. at some point, people just need to accept that movies are bad. And I, and I remember this, dude. I remember this because you and I both like Army of Darkness. I've met somebody who said the exact same thing to me about Army of Darkness. They, That's they, not true. And they, I don't believe that at all. But what? But I thought. But when he told, when he said to me, it was like, "It's a bad movie, dude." And here's why. And he actually, like, you know, he he came at me honestly about it, and I was like, 
I do see where you're coming from. I don't agree with it one bit. And uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the points, like even though like you know he came to me without just saying, "Oh, it sucks, dude," you know, without anything behind it. Like he came, he backed it up. He backed it up, but like I don't think you could use the same reasons why you would think that movie is bad with critters here. Like I mean, or say no. like or use them as something redeeming because I, I'm sorry, like there's. Uh, there's it doesn't feel like there's really even that much sense of humor with the movie it's like oh yeah the the trouble tribbles here like you know like it's it's i don't know man like i I, that's a great point so let's talk about that for a second everything that i read about this movie was that it was a comedy horror movie and i'm you know i'm like oh like like gremlins like tremors okay let's do this there was one part where i laughed and it's when the critter drops an f-bomb that part, it just threw me off. I was like, okay, that's actually kind of funny. Other than that, I don't. I am aware when I'm watching a movie and I see something trying to be funny and I realize I'm not laughing. Like like the Ghostbusters remake. I'm like, okay, they're trying to be funny and it's just not funny. Or, or at least it's not funny to me. I mean, humor is subjective one way or the other. But when I watch Critters, I'm watching and I'm like, I don't see any punchlines. I don't really know exactly what tone it is that this movie is going for. And this can segue into the the Roger Ebert review, where Roger Ebert gave this three out of four stars, and apparently he found humor in it, which, I mean, Pulitzer Prize winner, who am I to argue? But uh, one quote that he had from his review that I don't agree with at all is, what makes Critters more than a ripoff are its humor and its sense of style. It's humor. So it's not a ripoff because of its humor. Okay, well, Gremlins is funny. It's hilarious in certain parts, and so is and so is Tremors. I don't see how its humor sets it apart when all the other movies that it, even though Tremors came out after, all like Gremlins, the, the movie that it's ripping off, was funny in the first place. It's not like Critters was the first movie of its type to add humor into one of these things. So I don't I don't find that that rings true. Uh, the sense of style. It does have a little bit. Uh, we neglected to mention at the beginning. Um, another reason I wanted to see this movie. It was directed by Stephen Herrick, who he doesn't do much anymore. More direct-to-video TV stuff. But this is a guy who made some quality films, uh, quality studio films back in the day. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, The Mighty Ducks, Mr. Holland's Opus. This guy ha- has talent, and there are scenes in this movie that are fairly well constructed and well directed. And I think this was one of his first movies. So I. It does have a little bit of style, but not enough to a point to where I would use it as an argument as to why it's not a ripoff, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, he is a quality director, and like, you know, the the way the movie is constructed is not necessarily bad. It's just it you, you don't have you don't have great actors that are that are finding ways to bring these characters. You know, give them a little bit of something extra that may not be on the page that makes us care a little bit more. Little nuances. You know, I mean, those things just aren't there, unfortunately, with this. Like, you know, it's 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 not a bad idea for a franchise, all right? It's not a bad idea. Please don't remake it, though. God, pl- no, just leave oh, it alone. Man. Just leave it alone, all right? This is one where I just put it to bed, it's fine. Like, you know, just leave it alone. But Yeah, this is one that they would remake if they couldn't get the rights to Gremlins. Right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, D. Wallace, like, that's a great example. So D. Wallace was a great mom in the 80s with E.T. and... Even Cujo, she was very strong, very independent woman in those movies, and I wanted to see her bring that into this movie. 
specifically also because she's married in this movie and uh, she does she's she, you know she doesn't live in a broken home which always seems to be the case in the, the other movies where she plays a mother and all she really does in this movie is point a shotgun without shooting it and scream it's really all she does it's a useless character yeah she gets so like she like and I don't know if this again like part of the humor that 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 people find in is like man she she's does not understand what a gun is at all but give her five <laughs> minutes and she just wants more bullets. Like, right, <laughs> right. I think she gets one by accident with the yeah. shotgun. Yeah, I think it's just a knee-jerk reaction kind of deal. So it was unfortunate to see her um, not not do so well. I mean, it's it's always great to see her in a movie, but just not this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunately. Will, if you had to give this a rating, what would you give it? Uh, four out of ten. Four out of ten. Okay, yeah. my rating my rating is a five. Uh, it's. Perfectly watchable. There's just not a damn thing that's special about it. No. Any and final words? I oh, would. I have no desire to see any of the sequels. Like it doesn't. Oh, I, thank you for bringing that up. I was going to no, ask you that. You have no desire to see this. No. Sequel. I read the plot summary of the second one to see what they did because, you know, I'm, I'm sure by the third one it gets a little bit out of control. The second one, no. Like it's just like you went. You just moved. You carried on with the eggs. You brought the same bounty hunters back. You just went to a different town. I bet the budget was a little bit more, so they probably got to do a little bit more with it. But from what I read, it just did not sound like it got any more interesting. Even though they, it felt like there were some nuances they tried to add to characters, but I don't think it's enough to really say again. Like it, I don't think it escapes that galaxy of oh, it's dude, it's so bad, it's good. Nope, it's no. not. It's really not. Sorry. No, and people that use that as an excuse, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't understand that. Um, like only in recent years have I really seen that that was something like Manos, the hands of fate, I think was made with all the love in the world. And that turns out to be one of the worst movies ever made, but something like Sharknado. Yeah. They know exactly what they're making, yes. but not, yeah, not this, not, not new line. I just, like I said, I just don't buy it. Like Nightmare on Elm Street is a fantastic movie and that movie like there's, there's. I mean, the only thing that would be bad about it is dated '80s, like clothing or, or effects or stuff like that. But even the effects, I think, still look amazing with that. So, any final thoughts on Critters? Nah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely glad to have seen it, just to kind of give it some comparison. It, it's in terms of being more like scholastically rounded when it comes to movies. I guess like it's good to see, so that you can. See, you can see that a movie it doesn't necessarily fail because of directing. It doesn't necessarily fail because of this or that. Like you know, it can be a combination of things that just don't come together. But you know, I'm I, I guarantee there's there's some celebration of this movie somewhere. There's some festival of oh, of sure. critters going on somewhere. There's a convention of it. I'm sure that's going on somewhere. And more power to them. But you know, I'm I just think it's one of those, a case of those movies where it's a case where. It's there's a finite audience out there that really is going to, I don't know, redeem this type of movie. Well, even so, I I know know we're going over, but even so, like some of the effects, even by 80s standards, like Gremlins. I always think of the Gremlins bar scene when it's all the creatures in the bar, like flying around, smoking cigarettes, playing poker and how amazing it looks because it's a mixture of puppets and animatronics. It looks incredible. Like, I'm not gonna, and I and I I defend practical effects, '80s movies all the time. I can't defend Critters. It actually looks really cheap. 
in certain parts. Yeah. It looks like like when they roll around, it literally looks like a guy just took like a tribble and just painted it black and rolled it across the floor while the camera was shooting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it doesn't look right. Or, or when the critter would, because that's another thing, but the, the movie is shot in a way that it's all close-ups on the Kreitz, all of them. And there's, there's hardly any wide shots. And when the critter jumps, it immediately cuts. And all of a sudden, the next shot is the critter already on somebody. And it looks like somebody is like just holding a little furry fuzzball up to their neck and pretending that it's biting them. It, it just it doesn't look right at all. And um, that old theory of if your eye is telling you that it does that something looks off, then something is off. And yeah. uh, that's the way I, that's the way I feel about the critters. Last what I oh go, go ahead go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say if I were to watch if I were considering watching the sequels, I might watch the second one sometime down the line, maybe. But you know, you know, going back to a previous episode, I was absolutely all in to see to see the sequel to FX, and I did, and I really liked it. But I don't, I don't feel the same kind of pull from Critters, right. and 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 that's a for me like, see, it's not like we can't like movies like this. I actually really dig Leprechaun, the first one. Hell, even the third one where he goes to Vegas. That movie's a lot of fun. But do, do you remember the creature at the beginning of Critters that was kind of rolling around? You know, the one that was ordering the bounty hunters around? Yeah. I totally thought of Leprechaun 4 in space. <laughs> uh, I, I did. I was like, that looks just like that weird spider guy from Leprechaun 4. But, yeah, sorry, like, <laughs> Critters doesn't hold a candle to the original Leprechaun. No. But gr- great, great, great little mention there. So that'll wrap it on Critters. Um, join us next time, which when we will be covering the month of... Oh, it should also be mentioned, Critters grossed more than Highlander. Just want to throw that out there. Oh, <laughs> oh God. How about that? So with, with that little nugget of information out there, join us next time where we will be covering the month of May of 1986, and we will be looking at a movie that's far more in our wheelhouse. We will be looking at Cobra with Sylvester Stallone. And that is going to be a fun ride, I promise. Yes. Absolutely. Until then, I am Charlie Stabile at CM underscore Stabs. And I am William Rinkin at William Rinkin 83. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week for Cobra.